Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We preview the French Grand Prix and ask Can Ferrari hit back in its losing battle with Mercedes? This weekend's French Grand Prix is an important one for Ferrari, as not only will the team be desperate to turn the tide, but there's also the small matter of the review of Sebastian Vettel's Canadian Grand Prix time penalty that should be heard ahead of the French Grand Prix. On top of that, there's some key upgrades being introduced throughout the field for what should be a significant weekend in the 2019 World Championship. I'm your host, Ed Shaw, and joining me to sift through the latest news in the world of Formula One is Scott Mitchell, if that is, he can protect himself from mosquito attacks for long enough to string a sentence together i think i can give it a go there certainly seems to be more mosquitoes in sort of this part of being next to the mediterranean than when we were in monaco yeah further around then yeah well i i guess like the mosquitoes do they sort of edge their way around the coast of france sort of as, as as the as the season develops i don't really know but i think i've got like five bites already and we only got here at about what five hours ago before recording this podcast something like that and i've been I can't say what I was about to say. Yep, move on, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> Good. Well, we are uh, sort of we're staying in a house, sort of on the edge of a 
on the edge of a car park, which I was driving around for about half an hour. Yeah, but you make that sa- you make it sound very unglamorous. It's actually one of our it's one of the, the nicer uh, options. It's certainly nicer than the place that we had in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this this one's very nice. It's not just a big grey box that's randomly been built on a street as the one in Montreal seemed to be. And an upgrade on last year's French Grand Prix accommodation, which literally had an anti-infestation. Yeah, let's never talk of that again. It was uh, it, it was bad. It was bad. So this year is already looking up now. Let's get the Ferrari review out of the way first. It hasn't been confirmed when that will be heard, but history suggests it will be on the Thursday, uh, Paul Ricard. Now, this was the five-second penalty that cost Vettel Canadian Grand Prix victory for rejoining an unsafe manner at Turn 4. Any chances will be successful, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I, Regardless of whether you thought it was a penalty or not, regardless of whether you think the rules were to blame or the stewards were to blame, blah, 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 I just... The the penalty was given, and I, I I've I've read about I've I've read our colleague Jonathan Noble's excellent work digging into the the reasons behind Ferrari's. Uh, it's not an appeal, is it? They've they've gone through the right to review process uh, f- yeah. with with the FIA, and which basically means that they can have the stewards rehear it on the basis of fresh evidence. Exactly. So that will include, I believe, Sebastian Vettel's testimony because he obviously was in the race at the time, so they didn't hear from him. But I think there's some additional. Uh, GPS data and, and and some other stuff that they're going to present. So mm, they obviously think they've got a case. Part of me kind of feels they're just doing this to prove a point. I I just I just don't see it really. I don't see how there's enough unless they've got a really really good bit of data that shows that Vettel applied maximum brake pressure or had a massive kick of talk or something like that that just made him just genuinely made him out of control and therefore he wasn't to blame but then I still think that's a slam dunk for rejoining the track unsafely under under the current rules regardless of whether you think he should be punished for that or not under the current rules up for me that would still feel like a slam dunk so yeah I think you have to set aside whether it should be a penalty based on the rules that should be in place it's what rules are in place I just think you need something so unbelievably good as new evidence otherwise I think they'll just turf it out to be honest I, 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 I it's not that I think we're going into this weekend with a non-story bubbling away I'm just it's always frustrating when you have something big from the previous race lingering over it's just a bit of a dark cloud over what should be a very interesting weekend well we should note that the history of these sort of reviews they're quite rare and they're not really very successful. Williams tried to get a review into, the, into the Sergei Sorokin Azerbaijan penalty. They had a, they had, I think they had a teleconference in advance, and the FI said, "Well, there's no, there's no new evidence here, so go, go away." Um, there was one after the 2014, I want to say Canadian Grand Prix, when Perez collided with Massa, uh, and Perez was uh, was done for it, and they appealed. Well, they asked for a review of that, and the review was heard, and they said, well, there's, there's no new evidence. And actually, I don't really understand why Force India appealed on that one, because it was fairly clear that, that Perez had moved over on, on, on Massa, so quite what they were expecting there. So, yeah, it, it's rare that this, this happens. So you do need the... Uh, well, I suppose it's the opposite of a smoking gun, isn't it? Normally a smoking gun is the thing that, that you have to, to prove you're guilty, whereas they need... They need uh, Whatever, what an anti-smoking gun to show that he wasn't. So it, it's always possible, but yeah, pretty unlikely. Uh, yeah, I, I would, I would be surprised if anything happens. 
yeah, I can never never rule anything out. But uh, yeah, I mean that that'll be heard, and that that hopefully will be uh, will be done and dusted before the the serious stuff get, gets going. So that at the time of speaking, we haven't had details about uh, about exactly how this will be heard, when it will be heard. But it wouldn't be logical to do it on the Thursday. That's what they've done in the past. Well, more importantly for Ferrari, this is a team in in dire need of a of a win, isn't it? It looked like they were going to get it in Canada. That's the second race they definitely should have won. You could argue Azerbaijan was another one they could have won. So it should be a much more balanced picture than Mercedes seven, everyone else nil this year. They say they've got a few a few parts a few upgrades on the car. It's interesting actually, Mattia Bonotto talked about having a small a few small evolutions, elements that represent for us a useful step in defining the direction we'll take in developing the car. What we will be bringing won't be the solution to our problems, but the technical feedback we get from these evolutions will be important for the next step we take. So this seems to be a, as much as anything about validating development paths and, and that kind of thing, the bits and pieces they'll, they'll run here. And, and it's funny, isn't it, because Ferrari has been in a little bit of a, a bit of a maelstrom the past few months, hasn't it? Just trying to understand their problems, get their direction and really make sure they're set on a path that will, that will correct the problems. Well, they've been a bit baffled, haven't they, about what it is specifically they're struggling with. They always said that once they pinpointed it, they believed that they would find a solution very quickly. I think it was in the build-up to Monaco that Bonotto said they were beginning to work on new concepts, evaluating new designs and and whatnot, but that it would take it, it takes time to put that into practice and for it to happen. So the fact that they've got the first, I think this is going to be the first sort of fruits of that labour. As, as Bonotto says, it's not exactly going to transform their performance here. I see no reason for them to dominate the weekend in the way that they seem to do in, in Montreal. Okay, they only had, a in real terms, a, a small performance advantage over Mercedes in Canada, but Vettel was on pole and he, he, he was leading the race and he did win the race on the road. But this is a circuit that, that suits Merck much better than it suits Ferrari. So I think it will be a, a tougher weekend for Ferrari. Uh, the the key thing for them will be what Bonotto has hinted at there that beh- that they see things behind the scenes that maybe on paper it looks like just another defeat if if that is indeed what happens but in reality they it, it could be the sort of thing that leads to a bit of a breakthrough. It's, it's this is F one. There are no silver bullets, and what Bonotto is saying is not that they think they've got something that's going to suddenly transform it, but what they're saying is they need to. Be, they, they need to be confident that they're pursuing the right direction because they've got a very, very, very small window to turn around 2019 now. It's basically make or break. They need to get the next Tour 3 Grand Prix right. They need to be... I think they need at least two wins on the board before the summer break to have a hope in hell of overhauling Mercedes. But this is as much about making sure that a development programme and everything's in place for 2020 as well because they're running out of time to set the, the, the base of the 2020 car correctly. They need to know that they've fixed the problems that have basically undermined the potential of the 2019 car. And whether that is as simple as simulator correlation, it could well be that they've actually been the reason that they've been baffled is because everything looks right on the data and then when it reaches the track it doesn't doesn't correlate properly in reality maybe they've spotted that maybe that's the sort of thing that they're going to try and and validate this weekend we don't know hopefully we'll get some answers once we get to the track well that's what ferrari will be uh will be hoping for as well and it's it's difficult for ferrari because this year they've had such an, an odd kind of performance profile the montreal pace you can kind of put down to the straights if you look at the uh the breakdown in the mini sectors of where in qualifying they were stronger 
it was basically pretty much all the straights and the Mercedes was quicker in pretty much all the corners. The, the sector involving the hairpin, the Ferrari was was quicker through, but the rest were, were Mercedes in that regard. So they've got that problem. It'll be interesting this weekend because Paul Ricard is a circuit that offers a reasonable chance to load up the tyres quite nicely to get them in, in the window. It was very hot today, so we could see some quite high track temperatures. That helped Ferrari in Montreal, that helped Ferrari in Bahrain, and it, it seemed to help Ferrari in Baku, but then go against it as the track temperature dropped during that marathon qualifying session. So that's that's the interesting thing. I think it'll be frustrating for Ferrari because they do have a car that works sometimes better. The, it's, it's not like it's just a flat, steady behind there have been glimpses and being able to access that consistently is is absolutely the key and the other question of course will be this weekend will be Vettel because there was a mistake at the heart of that problem in in Canada mistake under pressure against Hamilton he had a spin in Bahrain while battling with with Hamilton and it's kind of the latest in this this run of of errors from from him and I, I feel like he needs to get all of that under control it may be this weekend he's not in a situation where that can happen but he's a driver that I feel as well needs to kind of get a state to a state of equilibrium to to kind of rebuild again rather than being in this spiral. Was this the was this the scene of his first major error of twenty eighteen? Pretty much. It depends if you want to count his Baku error last year as a major one. It, it, he was trying to take no, the lead. No, I think that was Hit fair game. Up. It, it, it was a mistake and it, yeah. was, and it was costly. But it, but this was an error in battle that had consequences yes, that wrecked yeah. well, his he, race. Well, so, if, if people remember, he just, yeah, he just went, messed up his braking first corner into the back of Bottas. He just seems... Uh, the, the thing that I find that's very consistent with Vettel's errors is... and I, I'm Obviously, Germany was different when he crashed out of the lead but that was mitigating circumstances again because of the track conditions I don't think it's necessarily him making a misjudgment in wheel-to-wheel combat so much as I I just don't think he's very good at playing the percentages when he's in battle with someone and the 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 dirty air, air effect is there because that seems to be the common factor if you look at the errors that he made on the first lap or early in the races last year then Monza, for example, or Japan, where he clashed with Max Verstappen, and then again in the United States Grand Prix at Austin, there was always there was always this reference, wasn't there, to the fact that he was in the dirty air and he got caught out by the sudden loss of grip. Well, and in France, the hole in the downforce, the hole, didn't yeah, he the hole in the downforce, and then it was, it was the same in France last year because if you remember, he got a mega start. He was tucked up right behind Hamilton going into the the first corner, really, really close to the diffuser of the Mercedes, and then he breaks obviously think like gives himself some space and then he just seems to turn and there's just nothing there and I just Canada the, the the big mistake that led to this massive controversy was partly we think caused by the fact that there was a bit of dirty air from the from the lapped cars in, in front so is is that maybe at the heart of what Vettel's struggling with does he just not leave enough margin when when you're on in in that in that, in that window where th- there are other variables at, at play, that's potentially uh, part of the problem. I'm not sure he's recently been brilliant at his uh, at his kind of risk analysis, should we say, in, in those situations. It, it's odd because I think I think a lot of people. I, I did a column about this on on Autosport.com in our plus subscriber area, talking about the fact that although Vettel, he's, you know, there have been has been this litany of. Various, but he's still a seriously fast racing driver, and he's still currently on current form. Actually, is Ferrari's best hope because Charles Leclerc is taking a little bit of time to bed, and his peaks have been fantastic. His qualifying is probably the area that really needs to to be worked on. But you know, he is still 
a seriously fast racing driver. His pole lap in in uh, Montreal was was really strong. His race drive, apart from the mistake, was was very very good. So he's kind of almost there. It's not like he's a it's not like he's a useless idiot as some people will have to. Uh, so I almost feel like he he needs. If he can have just a run of a couple of races where things just go right, and maybe there is a little bit in battle where he gets the better of Hamilton, which he has done in recent times. You know, he passed Hamilton in Austria last year, That's and, he, brilliant and he passed him at Spa last year for for victory. So it, it has it has happened, but I just yeah yeah just the, uh, the I think the difficulty is as well that he's also in a position where the Ferrari when it's when it's been quicker over the past eighteen months. Generally, it's been a little bit quicker in qualifying, but sometimes, but often in the race, it doesn't have that same advantage. And we saw that in Montreal, and I think that puts him a little bit in harm's way as well, because you've got that problem of being under pressure. And overreaching. Exactly, yeah. So that that's the interesting thing. So I think maybe the situation he's in perhaps ex- exaggerates things. I mean, you can't exonerate him from all responsibility, clearly, because th- there have been, been errors, but I, d- I don't think he's... a you know, I don't think he's a lost cause. Well, he's not he's, a Jorge he's, Lorenzo, is he? he <laughs> no, he's not. not a, he's not. A, he's not a world champion that's fallen massively from grace and is is exposing himself. We had this conversation earlier. Obviously, we're not just uh, stuck in the bubble of F1. We're aware of other stuff that's going on, and there's a really, really good feature on Autosport.com at the moment uh, about uh, Jorge Lorenzo and the, the that Honda dynamic, basically between him and Mark Marquez and. I was suggesting that Jorge Lorenzo and his time at Ducati and, and Honda has exposed whatever failings there are in him as a rider, whether it, maybe it's just purely adaptability, but he obviously, he, he looked like such a, just such a stunning megastar at Yamaha for so long and, and, and just looked untouchable. And since he's left, it's just unraveled. It's gone from bad to worse Ducati to, to, to Honda so far. And there's a little bit of that trait with Vettel because he's not, been at the peak of his powers according to some people since he left Red Bull but I would argue that in 2015 he was excellent in uh, in the Ferrari and I think he's had moments in 2017 and 2018 where he's been very very impressive as well and again as you pointed out Montreal he was superb so I think there's a bit of a tendency people tend to say oh Hamilton in the Ferrari would definitely have won in 17 and 18 I think you can make a reasonable case that Hamilton could have won in 18 I think 17 was always a very tough ask because the Ferrari was only stronger at a a small number of circuits and I think it's one of those ones that with a fair wind and kind of a perfect season you might have been able to nick it in a Ferrari 18 was a, was a little bit uh, was a little bit different yeah 18 I, I, I think the expectation was that Vettel and Ferrari would run Hamilton and Mercedes a lot closer well they were until got to Monza onwards the weird thing about this season is that Vettel just seems to have never really got comfortable in the car and and I think this is a legacy of the the philosophy that Ferrari's taken with the car where they've gone for this sort of efficient aerodynamic package that's quick in a straight line and sacrifices it in the corners and just get the feeling that Vettel just cannot lean on that car in the corners and well, he'd like, probably be enjoying the Mercedes a lot more than he is the Ferrari at the moment. Well, he does like, you know, he likes to sort of turn the aggressive on the brakes and really have the the rear end there to support him. That's when he's at his best. And one of the things he was very strong at at Red Bull was the the brilliant way he used the throttle to play the exhaust blown downforce to give himself that extra rear grip. You know, he was doing things that that were counterintuitive with with the throttle that that made the car quicker, and that even a driver as quick as Mark Webber, who was a seriously fast racing driver, couldn't couldn't do and in fact sort of Weber sort of felt he was fundamentally faster but Vettel was just doing everything right so 
that 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 kind of that kind of gave him the characteristic he needed and yeah it's it, it it's it's very very difficult because then you've got this this problem of if Vettel's trying to get the car to do what he wants and give him that rear end while Ferrari's still trying to understand what's going on you you end up potentially with this little bit of push and pull which is why you always think ideally you want the driver with the the widest possible performance window should we say it's why Alonso was always strong because generally he'd drag a lap time out of pretty much anything you never really you know you might hear, hear him say the car's uncompetitive but you wouldn't hear him say it's it's undrivable from a balance perspective he, he'd get what was performance was in the car out of it I think it's definitely fair to say that Vettel's weak point is that ability to to to, to adapt perhaps to a, to a car that doesn't suit him quite so well. Look at how quickly he fell from grace in, in 2014 when there were several factors that went against him. Um, and he, he was sort of similar in 2016 at Ferrari, wasn't it? When the, the title challenge never really materialised after a decent 2015. So he, he does have those moments. He's a very emotional guy. He's a very emotional driver. So he is easily affected by that sort of thing. We saw that in quite a spectacular fashion after what happened in Canada. But he... If Ferrari's going to get it together, we've sort of touched on this, haven't we? But I, I, I think if Vettel's looking for immediate redemption from Canada, I, I think he will struggle to get it here. Yeah, that, this is not the obvious place, unless the high track temperatures and the track configuration give them a chance w- with the tyres. But I, I think the other interesting question with Vettel is whether, as a four times world champion, he's still kind of got it in him to really dig deep and and go again. We see this with a lot of drivers there's a point where they almost sort of run out of steam and I think this is what we did see a little bit with Vettel in 2014 and 2016 I think it was a bit of high expectations and then when the expectations are dashed he just sort of struggles a little bit struggles to lift himself rather than being able to drag those performances out of himself so that's an interesting question he has to ask himself I think whether he's got that that last sort of one percent that you that you need Uh, but it it is it is difficult the situation they're in because he's basically been with the team that's been the second best over the past few years overall because I think regardless of what of how you look at the performance of various times Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton is such a formidable combination across the board that beating them is incredibly difficult it's, you, you just have to be absolutely on your game the driver has to be on their game the team has to be on their game everything and Ferrari I mean that Mattia Bonotto has kind of described it as an emerging team as well, hasn't it? A young team, which obviously literally isn't. It's been going for ages, <laughs> decades. But And he points out that the people involved aren't particularly young. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But you still see what he means in terms of that. New people in new positions. Exactly. And, and you always, like you know, it take, people talk about you have to learn how to win. You have to learn how to win championships. And then you have to learn how to win championships upon championships. And it does take time. Mercedes took time to do that. And what's been impressive about Mercedes is its ability to kind of stay rock solid and, and there year after year, which might, might make it a little bit boring for well, with people. What Mercedes, it's hugely impressive. Well, Mercedes, it was what? Three years to win a race, four years to win more than one race in a season? Yeah, they got a win in 2012, the win in China with Rosberg, and then 13, they won three races, and then 14, hybrid era. With bang. the big rules change. Yeah. So it, let's, let's apply the same sort of um, time scale, shall we say, to, to Ferrari, but maybe you start from 2015 or 2016. So they're at that point now where they need to be setting the foundations for a major, major title assault really next season. But they've got to be looking at 2021 because that's the thing. Mercedes has been able to establish itself as the best team that keeps getting better. It's phenomenal how that team manages to keep improving. 
And while it's really, really easy to be flippant and say, well, Vettel was winning races when Red Bull was absolutely mega, and what and Hamilton was it was all over the place then because McLaren wasn't very good, so Lewis was the one making mistakes and driving into everybody left, right, and centre, blah blah blah. And now it's the other way around. Mercedes is brilliant, so Hamilton's happy, and Hamilton's absolutely excellent. Whereas Vettel is driving into everything left, right, and centre because Ferraris. It's it's too easy to say that they've basically swapped roles from eight years ago or whatever it was but like there, there's an element of that happening certainly because it all you do all, get into a virtuous circle yeah exactly and it becomes it becomes this thing where you have a you have positive and negative cycles so that's completely fine but what we also just need to accept and respect is that mercedes is better than ever and hamilton's better than ever and it is a ruthlessly difficult combination to overcome especially when you've got vettel who seems quite vulnerable and a car that's and a team that's imperfect at the moment yeah, exactly, and I think you're right that it's it's important the next few races, certainly up to the uh, up to the Hungarian Grand Prix ahead of the break, just to kind of get that stability and just I mean even if they t- just get one win in that period, just to settle everything down and think, all oh, right, actually we have actually won a race because of course the last win was the USA last year with Kimi Raikkonen, so it was that October. So it's been a long time. A win will be a big deal for that team. I think realistically they'll be looking at. I think they'll fancy their chances at the Red Bull Ring. Because Ferrari's always look quite decent there. So plus, plus it's a track, good loading of the tyres as well. Yeah, well, Mercedes will obviously quite like it because you've got, they've obviously become very, very good at slower corners and that you, you can get good uh, good drive, especially off of, uh, well, what's now turn three, but it's really turn two because they've made that bloody left kink, haven't they, before the up the hill, that's turn two. So turn three and then the middle middle section, Merkel fancy themselves there. Bottas is always good at Austria. But I think they'll look at Red Bull Ring. They were obviously decent in... I think, I think you, they'll look at Germany as well. And then obviously Hungary traditionally. But maybe that's going to favour Merck now because they've obviously upped their game. But I, th- I, I like I said, I, I think two wins. I think they need two wins by the summer break to to relight the fire this season. But I, yeah, I think any any victory between now and... The summer break gives them that opportunity to go away, recharge the batteries and come out swinging second half of the year. Yeah, rather than going into the break feeling massively down. I mean, if uh, it's almost avoiding going winless. That, that's probably the key for them, isn't it? Mentioning Red Bull, we've also got this weekend uh, a Honda upgrade. Uh, the turbocharger and the, the V6 engine itself uh, upgraded. That's, that's a little bit of a surprise how quickly it's come, isn't it? I actually thought it was unprecedented at first because I was thinking, wow, a spec-free engine in June? We normally see this in late August, early September in Belgium or Italy. And we've only just had the Spec the, the spec 2 launched for for Ferrari and Mercedes over the last couple of races. So that's 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 really, really impressive. And then I realised I did looked into it and Honda did exactly the same thing two years ago. The reason it's impressive, even though it's not unprecedented now, is... Honda now, compared to where they were two years ago, they are much, much further along in terms of development and competency. There were bigger gains to find, and they just introduced a new engine concept in 2017. So this opportunity to bring upgrades was a little bit more, uh, should we say... There were there were more there were more options basically in terms of upgrading in 2017. There were more problems to fix, and there were more areas to improve. So that was probably uh, probably fairly fairly to be expected. What what's the, what they're doing now really is, is just ticking off things left, right, and centre in terms of improvements. They, they they say that there's no problem with the spec two that they only introduced in Azerbaijan. That was race four. 
We're now going into race eight. They've introduced another engine. This is more performance-based. Nothing major compared to, say, the Spec 3 that got introduced late in the season last year. Uh, that that gave them quite a big performance step and also a, a big reliability step with the MGUH last year. But yeah, int- introducing an upgraded uh, or ma- mainly upgraded around the combustion engine and the, and the turbo, it shows that they've identified new areas that they can improve working internally, working with third party as well, third parties as well. So it's it's genuinely impressive from Honda. I, 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 I think they've been very honest whenever they've made changes for reliability reasons and whenever and whenever they identify a problem, they, they front up about it. They, they do hold their hands up. Since they've escaped McLaren, I think, they've become more comfortable in their own skin and they've accepted the fact that they need to say when it's bad because then people will believe them when they say it's good. So even though they're not claiming and trumpeting that this spec 3 is suddenly going to put them on Merck or Ferrari level they're very clearly saying the opposite that they don't believe they're at that stage yet I do genuinely believe that this was planned they 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 were able to get the spec 2 out early in Azerbaijan that fixed a reliability concern that they had after identifying a quality control problem now they've basically got the spec 3 ready and gone well why don't we have it like the sooner the better right so so they've wheeled it out and I think that's I think that's really impressive, and it's just, all that will do is just that that positivity that exists in Red Bull Honda land at the moment. Red Bull will be delighted by this, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think Honda in general they're much more assured than they were in that when they first came in there was there was a certain level of of arrogance and talking about remember they were talking about coming in at the level of Mercedes straight away, put engine performance wise, which was always lunacy, and there was a lot of uh, kind of overconfidence at times and. The positive thing is that they have managed to learn from the mistakes and actually get themselves into a situation where they're where they're making really good progress. And we should remember as well, Honda did contemplate walking away after the McLaren deal. They didn't have to do what they did to back themselves to to get involved with Toro Rosso as a, a stepping stone to getting involved with Red Bull. Oh, I've done it the hard way, haven't they? Exactly, and and I think huge credit to them, the the progress they've made. I mean, Renault have shown how difficult it is. You know, Renault went into the hybrid era with good continuous F1 history under their belts and and have struggled for, for quite some time you know even this season they've had some they've had some difficulties so yeah credit to Honda we're, we're, we're starting to see signs there's still a way to go but we're starting to see signs of the, the kind of the mighty Honda the the great engine building company the the great dominant force at times in the 80s and, and very early 90s just hints that it might be possible to, to get to that. And they've really, really had to work hard to earn that reputation after the, the pounding they took with the criticism in the, in the McLaren years. Well, we talked about the, the impact that a, a spiral of confidence, good or bad, can have in, in the context of Vettel and Ferrari and, and, and Hamilton. If you look at the Hamilton of, of, of the current era compared to, was it 2011 he kept crashing into Massa? Yeah, I, I think there's... I think the, Ham- the Hamilton thing that there were there seemed to be some off track things as well that were, but it's all about that spiral. Well. If you but, get into, but yeah, that, you certainly got into a spiral. If you get into that, spiral. if you get into that situation where you've got like a a happy bubble and a and a and a negative bubble, then obviously you're gonna everything just seems to work better, doesn't it? And Honda seems to have established that now. They've got through that that rebuilding year with Toro Rosso. They still had high expectations because Toro Rosso wasn't just gonna let them build a rubbish engine. And they had to win over Red Bull early in 2018 as well. They've managed to rectify a bunch of the reliability problems that were holding them back. That was another major hurdle that they cleared last year. And it's and it's that 
uh, it's that success in not everything that they've thrown on the car has worked. They they had to, if you remember, they tried to introduce the spec free in 2018 in Russia, which was already a little bit late, I think. And they had to delay it a week because they found a little bit of a drivability problem in uh, free practice in Russia. So they rolled it out on home soil at Suzuka a week later. So so they it hasn't been perfect. But the, the good thing is that they've not been knocked back by it. They haven't run away, tail between their legs. Like like you said, they chose to persevere. They They chose to prove that they belong. And the progress that they've made over the last two years, if you think back back to when McLaren decided to call it quits with Honda, when they failed to introduce, I think, what was meant to be like officially termed Spec 4 or something like that for the Belgian Grand Prix, they were meant to reach a certain performance parameter, weren't they? And they basically said that they failed and they only brought Spec 3.5 or whatever they termed it as. They're now, this less than two years later, and they're bringing a Spec 3 after seven complete races six six months into the year that's super impressive when they're doing it on their terms yeah now in a car that's capable of delivering podiums on a on a relatively regular basis certain certainly consistently uh getting top five results as max verstappen in particular has been doing so yeah it's it's positive to for honda there's still there's still way to go but if they can work towards getting into a position where they develop well through the year and be in a strong position for 2020, you know maybe if Red Bull comes up with a with with a mega car, then they could have a chance of having a say in the championship. We should also say there are upgrades this weekend for Renault. Now Renault, Cyril Abetable, the, the team principal, said that this was the that the the upgrade here was the point where they basically wanted to move away from the midfield and be at the level they needed to be which was basically they were they were going to this year the target was was effectively to replicate last year's finish of fourth in the in the constructors but it needs to be a much stronger fourth as in break away from the mid pack they haven't really done that the past few race weekends have been quite quietly encouraging i would say um so we're seeing some progress there they solved that conrod problem they had with the with the engine but they've set a quite high target for themselves that, that this is the weekend where they'll hit the track car should work and and edge them away from the midfield well in fact a bit will always suggest it would be more than that which is which is bold for their home grand prix yeah just when you think there aren't enough eyes on them already uh, it's for someone who complains about having to have, have managed a communications crisis this year because of the expectation around the team Cyril Abitable doesn't seem to be learning does he He's still talking things up and as soon as you say something like you're going to have this mega upgrade and everything's going to be there for French Grand Prix, it's going to be wicked and all of this. Like You're you're setting a deadline and you're setting a date. Everyone knows now to tune in to, to the French Grand Prix and say, right, well, Renault needs to be 7th and 8th and they need to be really comfortably 7th and 8th and they might need to be even nipping at the at the heels of, of the Rebel Hondas. So... I mean, I I I I love Cyril from a news perspective. He's gold because he he does he does does talk a lot. He's very honest. It's not that he just spouts hot air all the time. He's willing to actually explain why he's confident about something or why something's gone wrong. So he's really good value, and I and I hope he doesn't tone tone himself down. But he's only got himself to blame for these high expectations. And yeah, we go into this weekend where Ricardo and Hulkenberg are both hoping that after Canada, where they were comfortably best of the rest, weren't they? Uh, that, that they can pick up on, on what they did in Montreal, do it again here, do it again at the Red Bull ring and just sort of build that momentum so that after a poor start to the season and the troubles that they've had to overcome, whether it was 
team errors, reliability, driver mistakes, start to really string it together and prove that they're good enough to be the team that bridges that gap to the big three. Yeah, exactly. And, and the first step in that is to assert themselves over the midfield. And it, it, it is possible. I mean, I think perhaps Bitable's willingness to talk about what they're going to do by this point partly reflects the pressure that's coming to them from the from the board. You know, that's a significant investment in, in buying this team, massively up the F1 spend because they're already doing the, the engine side. So the, the, the expectation is there. And obviously Renault's very heavily involved in the French Grand Prix so it is a it is a key weekend and they'll, they'll want to be at that at that point at that at that level and yeah it, it, it is possible and things have started to come together because Dan Ricciardo has been very impressive of like the first few race weekends kind of by his own admission he was struggling a bit to get, come to terms with being in a, a slightly lesser car that and sort of reprogramming himself to not try and drive it like a Red Bull but he's done that very well and you know very very strong performances have followed so they've kind of got that star driver now should we say and obviously Nico Hulkenberg's a very strong performer as well so they've got they've got the driver lineups that's a that's a, a positive and and they'll just they just need the car to work the, the really worrying thing is you could end up in a situation where they create pressure if because sometimes people put upgrade packages on cars and it takes them a race weekend's worth of kind of data and understanding to really get on top of it, it could take them a couple of race weekends and if if it doesn't just hit the track and work that builds pressure and then sometimes when the pressure's there and the, the the desire to perform bad decisions are made, they try and rush it rather than just focusing on the process of going A, B, C, D, working through it to get the best out of it. That's the little bit of a worry that they could get themselves into a bit of a, a cul-de-sac if they're, if they're not very disciplined. Especially as they seem actually quite happy with the 2019 car at the moment. Holkenberg said in Canada that actually... One of the big things that's different about this year's Renault compared to last year is that the Renault's actually worked everywhere this year. He feels that it has. It's just different things have sort of covered that up. So whereas last year they were quite like, they would slip back, wouldn't they? they they'd have races where others sort of peaked and jumped ahead of them. Um, whereas this year, the sort of suggestion, or certainly what I, I took from it, was that, that they've cured that sort of ability to have missing weekends in terms of performance and and then the performance is there they're just not necessarily extracting it so if they've got that good a base it would be problematic if they muddy the waters a little bit with a with a with a big upgrade because if they're introducing a lot it only takes one of those things not to work as expected and suddenly you're you're doing what Toro Rosso did last year where you introduce this major package and you go well what's gone wrong and you start taking bits off to work out what's not working and it becomes a mess and Renault can't afford to do that as you say especially at a weekend like this where all the big wigs are going to be there it's a big big race for Renault they've built up a lot of hype for it so now they need to go out there and deliver exactly and again it's what people want to see in Formula One they're a works team heavily invested in want to see manufacturers investing in Formula One and competing and want to see evidence that they can actually progress towards the the front and maybe be a factor in the in the, the battle up front at, 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 at some stage but as we said before you know Mercedes sets such a high standard to to chase down that it's it's incredibly difficult and you know we saw Mercedes introduce their engine upgrade in in Canada they had the problem with Lance Stroll's racing point that was traced to a, a spark plug problem so they've understood that problem that caused a, an engine failure and and sounds like they're they're reasonably confident of being on top of that so that that's kind of the level you're shooting at Mercedes doesn't put a foot wrong maybe it puts half a foot wrong but they're just always there pushing on 
and you know, catching them is, uh, is an incredibly difficult uh, difficult task. But if, if Renault can come through the season and and be a be a better fourth, then that's probably job done for them. But it's going to be yeah, a, a high pressure weekend. Well. Do check out autosport.com for all the latest on the French Grand Prix weekend. Obviously, when that Ferrari review, if and when it is actually heard, we'll have all the news and analysis from that. Check out our Autosport Plus subscriber area for a small fee. You can read the world's best motorsport journalists. And Autosport magazine out every Thursday. We'll have uh, in-depth coverage of Le Mans 24 Hours in the, in the current issue. And, of course, uh, next week we'll have our in-depth French Grand Prix coverage. Check out sister titles, motorsport.com, F1 Racing Magazine out monthly, and Motorsport News out weekly. And please do subscribe to this podcast. We're usually out every Monday and Thursday. There's the odd bonus episode. We'll be back for first thing Monday morning to, to review the uh, the French Grand Prix. And, uh, yeah, maybe have a look on the Spreaker website and like us on there. That's another place you can you can follow us. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.